first one out of the way, I have to reflect to reflect on kind of where we went with that first one. The first one was a little bit all over the map, and, and I think it's because I'm used to trying to talk for a long, long period of time, trying to do the, uh, the long-form podcast. So I think I was all right, because I started talking about geography of Minnesota, then I went to Stephen King. And then, kind of like as an afterthought, I threw in my daughter's birthday and what it means, like me reflecting uh, on myself as a parent, and then I went back into tying the Bible and the creation story into evolution and tying that back into literature. So I was talking about a slew of different things uh, and trying to fit that into the, 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 same, the same episode, and I'm going to try to do better about that. So let's clear a couple things up first. In the last episode, I talked about myself, uh, now that my, my second daughter is one, reflecting on myself as a parent. And I mentioned that I don't consider myself a bad parent, but I don't necessarily consider myself a good parent. I said mediocre. And I think I need to clarify what I meant by that. And what I meant by mediocre is that I think for the most part I do a good job with my girls. But I always think I can do better. And I think the key with parenting is that we try to do a little bit better or a lot a lot bit better than our parents did. I I think about the August Wilson play, Fences, and he opens, before he even gets to the play, uh, he, he opens with this, this quote. He says, do not play host to the sins of the father. And to me, the whole play is kind of about the nature of the relationship between parents and their children. And the notion is that we, we try to do a little bit better than our parents did. We can't necessarily fault our parents because they did the best job that they could and they were trying to do better than their parents did. And that's kind of how the cycle continues and the cycle will continue hermeneutically until uh, it gets as good as it can. So I think what I meant by mediocre parent is that 
you know, it was a rough year. I was busy. I was working two jobs, okay, teaching, and then also delivering pizzas. And then in the spring, I decided that I wanted to try to complete this national board certification program to kind of give my teaching license a boost. And so I wasn't around a lot. And so I didn't see a lot of I didn't see a lot of my family. I didn't see a lot of my girls. Summer's went around and I've been able to spend more time. I've been able to connect and bond more with my daughters. But at the same time, and it's a struggle because I find that when I'm with my daughters, I'm not 100% present. My mind's constantly thinking about other things. And so I'm not like 100% there with them. Unless I'm unless I'm reading a story because then you're immersed in the story or playing a game then you're you know that that's where your attention is but I'm more thinking about like when I'm just kind of playing with them my mind is my mind is elsewhere I'm not 100% there and so you kind of have this regret in the present and then you anticipate that you're going to have this regret in the future that why wasn't I more present and you can't help but thinking of the Harry Chapin Cats in the Cradle, you know, like, did I make enough time for my girls now to the point where when they're older, I know they're not going to have as much time for me because they have their own families, they have their own things. So it's like, did I put in the, did I put in enough time when they were little girls because I know that when they're older, they're not going to have that time for me. And so that's what I kind of meant by mediocrity and parenting. So I just wanted to clarify that. And uh, I, I recognize that this is going to be a much shorter podcast. I'd like to keep it about 15 minutes, but I promise it'll be between 15 and 20. So what I'd also like to talk about is... I, I started reading this book by Timothy Ferris called The 4-Hour Body. Now, Timothy Ferris, prior to this book, had written another book called The 4-Hour Workweek. And, and then after The 4-Hour Body, he wrote this book called The 4-Hour Chef. Now, if I could boil down Timothy Ferris's books or his, uh, his studies, what he's trying to do, is he's trying to look at how can we optimize our time you know, how can we do the best that we can with the time that we have, the resources that we have? Now, I haven't read 4-Hour Workweek, so I don't know. I haven't read 4-Hour Chef, but I'm reading 4-Hour Body. And the 4-Hour Body is an interesting book because what he's getting at is what are we capable of doing with the bodies that we have? And and this, this was an important book to me because... You know, my body, my weight, is something I've always struggled with. Ever since I was a little kid, I've, I've had a hard time. I've always been heavy. I've always been overweight. And, you know, it's, it's fluctuated. Gain weight, lost weight, gain weight, lost weight. And, you know, I've been wanting to get healthy and uh, been trying to figure out a way to do it. And I was at the library with my daughter, and we had picked out her books, and we were kind of browsing through the other sections. I looked up 
and I saw it, The 4-Hour Body. I had heard about it before. I had heard an interview with Timothy Ferris on Mark Maron's WTF podcast. So I picked up the book, and I read it, and it, it's been pretty, pretty revolutionary for me. And, you know, in it, he, he describes different ways that we can change our bodies to make them work for us. And, you know, a lot of people now are looking for the fad diet. They're looking, and and they're concentrated on pounds. They're focused on weight. How can I lose the most weight in the shortest amount of time? But they're they're all kind of crash diets. You You gain that weight back. It's not healthy. And I think what he's trying, what Ferris is trying to do, and I don't agree with everything that he does, um, but he has some good stuff in here. And uh, I'd have to say I probably read the f- the first half of the book applies to me, and then he kind of gets starts getting into some crazy stuff. Not crazy, but just unrealistic stuff for me. And I think that's the important thing. He says, you know, he makes mention like I'm not a doctor. You should consult a doctor before you do any of this stuff. But essentially what I've started with, before I get to the exercise portion, and the exercise portion is important, but it's the the diet. And not diet in the sense that, that we think, you know, the connotation of diet that we have today, where diet is... You know, has negative connotations. Okay, this is I'm doing without. I'm depriving myself of something because I want these results or I'm losing weight. But he outlines this this plan, and I know plans are dangerous too because plans tend to be like, okay, I'm not going to stick to this plan. But he calls it the slow carb diet. And essentially he's making the case that... Um, A lot of what we consume today is not good for us, as most of us know. So on the slow-carb diet, you're going to remove all refined things. Okay, so enriched flours. Uh, You're going to remove starches, potatoes, rice. Uh, You're going to remove sugars, all right, so that you're only having good carbohydrates. So essentially, for the last three weeks, what I've been eating has been chicken, fish, vegetables, and beans. So six of the seven days a week, that's what I've been consuming. And then uh, on one day a week, you get this quote-unquote cheat or binge day. Cheat day, they both have negative, like cheat is not good and binging is not good. But that's kind of what it's referred to. And the point being that, like, everyone is going to have, is going to have, like, a slip-up where you you consume something that you don't want to consume, but, like, you you need to. So the point that Ferris makes is, like, why not plan that day? And also, he makes the point that in doing so, on that one day, you're spiking your metabolism, you're spiking your blood sugars, and that, that affects your metabolism and helps it recalibrate. And I've had a lot of success. I've, I've had a good time with this, and now you know I've started incorporating a little bit of the exercise, mostly air squats, wall push-ups. Uh, but I like it. 
Now the thing is, soon I'm traveling to California for my friend's wedding. My best friend Hyro's marrying uh, uh, his his fiance Bianca, and I'm kind of like smack dab in the middle of trying to do this slow carb diet. But I'm also going to be elsewhere, and and I think I can pull it off. But the thing I was talking about this with my wife earlier today. Okay. I've been consuming these huge meals of primarily beans, vegetables, with like a little bit of meat, like one to one and a half servings of lean meat, chicken or fish. So if I'm out there and I'm having items that have something with like enriched carbohydrates, I just need to make sure that I don't consume as much. And I think that's all I got to say. I would check out Timothy Ferris's books. Uh, or the four hour body, it's interesting because he talks about, he goes beyond the diet. He starts getting into exercise, he starts getting into supplements, all kinds of stuff. Um, so I would recommend checking that out. I think I definitely want to check out the four hour chef because in the four hour chef, he talks about how like we as humans have the potential for learning how to do anything. I, th- I, my, I believe the premise is like he didn't really know how to cook so he's or what, what is it going to take for me to learn how to cook and basically how can we problem solve the fastest and I think that's the biggest thing that I like the, the, the philosophy that I take away from this is how do we maximize our potential with the time and resources that we have alright so that's going to bring episode 2 of Grizzled to a close I'm Gus Purdy tune in next time when I talk about going to California <laughs>